passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Episode 151 on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Don't be sad that the NCAA tournament is over. There's plenty of sports action and plenty of sports action to be wagered on, whether it's the NBA, last couple of regular season games, down the stretch they come into the playoffs. There's NHL, same deal. There's Major League Baseball going to be starting up very soon. And the best place to place all your sports betting is Bet Online. Head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BLEAVE, that's B L E A V, to get started. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all updated odds, info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everybody is saying Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 151, for the love of the game, let's get this work. Buck a buck a buck a buck a buck a buck a <laughs> You know the deal. This is me, though. Beast by Supremo for all of my people, Negroes and Latinos, and even the gringos. Yo, check it, one for Charlie Hustle, two for Steady Rock, three for the fourth coming live, future shot. It's five dimensions, six senses, seven firmaments of heaven and hell, eight million stories to tell, nine planets faithfully keep an orbit with the probable tenth. The universe expands length, the body of my text possess extra strength, power lift the powerless up out of this towering inferno. My ink so hot it burned through the journal. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It is a Tuesday afternoon as your boy Aaron Tobin has back in the saddle, back behind the mic, and, well, the NCAA tournament is come and gone. Last night, Kansas came back, major comeback against UNC, the biggest comeback in NCAA tournament history for a team to be down 15 points at the half to come back and win. I mean, kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. That's the end of the tournament. Recurring guest Jordan Marks and I actually recorded a instant reaction podcast afterwards which you're going to hear but gritty win by kansas can't take anything away from him. bill self gets his uh his second title kudos to kansas and kudos to unc an unbelievable run as an eight seed to make it all the way to the title game and be in it and i thought once manic had that put back on the offensive glass that unc was going to win it i did not love the shots they got at the end of the game in terms of the last possession trying to get a three, I thought those attempts were bad, but whatever. It is what it is. I do think that Baycott, if he was healthy, that UNC wins that game. And I can't be any more impressed by him. The fact that he was limping around, you saw that he didn't have the lift to finish around the rim, but still battled his ass off, cleaned the glass like he did. Just incredible. But kudos to Kansas. An awesome come-from-behind win from them, as gritty as it gets, and that sums up a really, really great tournament. Just just an awesome, awesome tournament. I know we say this every year. The tournament doesn't disappoint, and this year was definitely no exception, with the Final Four being the way it was, with UNC beating Duke in an absolute classic in the Final Four. Just good stuff all around from the NCAA tournament. All right, so Major League Baseball is around the corner. We're going to talk to a recurring guest about the Yankees in just a matter of moments. But am I excited for this season for the Yankees? Uh, yes and no. It's hard to say. Uh, I don't think the offseason was great. I don't think it was bad. 
the lineup is a little bit more balanced than it has been in the past. But I don't know. There's just this malaise over this Yankees situation, partially because of the ownership group, partially because Aaron Boone is still the manager. But we'll see. It's spring. Hope springs eternal. And who knows? Maybe they'll prove me wrong. So this week is also the Masters week. And the big story is it looks like Tiger Woods is going to be playing competitive golf, which is awesome, awesome for the game. will be interesting to see what happens there. One last thing before we get into tonight's guests. And again, you're hearing a kind of going back in time a little bit. You're going to hear the instant reaction first, and then we're going to talk about the Yankees in a second. But NBA notes. So the regular season is winding down, and the Nets right now are in 10th place. Makes me smile. You know, the Knicks have been eliminated from the playoffs. They're doing some interesting things right now, like actually playing the young guys, which we've asked for forever. But whatever. The Knicks are out. It is what it is. I hope Tom Thibodeau, they say sayonara him in the offseason, and they have to do whatever they have to do to get rid of Julius Randle. But the Nets, a 10 seed. Everybody was talking about how Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the league, which he is. You know, people should be scared of the Nets. No one's scared of the Nets. All right, no one's scared of the Nets. They're under 500 in the games that Kyrie and Kevin Durant play together. Okay, it, it they're just a bad defensive team with no depth. The Seth Curry injury has really hurt them. We'll see what happens when he gets back, but no one's really scared of the Nets. The top teams in the East are not scared of the Nets, and anybody cling to the idea that the Mets Nets are going to make a Finals run? Well, just stop clinging to that idea. And secondly, lastly is. The Lakers, the mighty Lakers, well, they have fallen out of the playing game. You know, a team that employs LeBron James, the supposed best player in the league, best player in NBA history, I've been told, has fallen out of the playing game. And this is with Russell Westbrook actually playing pretty well the last month. Who who could have seen this coming? And, And I just take such delight in it. And the Lakers fans... And there are a couple in my life that I actually like, but their tears taste so delicious right now. So, so delicious. The saltiness on the Laker fans from this season is great. It is absolutely great. But as true with Laker fans, their delusion, their collective delusion doesn't go away. Because now they're like in the offseason, oh, we just run it back. With these guys, Anthony Davis is going to be healthy. LeBron is still awesome. And, like, they're going to go anywhere with those three guys together. First of all, Anthony Davis is never healthy, all right? He's been healthy and awesome, really awesome, one time in his career. And that season happened to have gotten stopped by the onset of COVID, right? And he was able to have four months off, and he was magically healthy for the stretch run in the bubble. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. That's why the bubble title isn't nearly as valid as all the other titles in NBA history. But whatever. That's a separate argument. But yeah, so Anthony Davis being back healthy, which is never going to happen, and he's getting to be 30 years old, and he's really brittle. You think he's going to be more healthy in the second half of his career? Nah, I don't think so. LeBron James is another year older. Like, he just... As good as he is, he can't carry a team like he once did when he was 32-33. It's not fair of LeBron James. And the Westbrook fit is weird. And given all that and their salaries, those three guys as currently constructed with vet minimum guys is not a winning formula. It's just not. But the Laker fans will convince themselves that it is. And the best part is when some Laker fans think that, you know, it's time to trade Anthony Davis, which I've been on record saying that it is. This was this was great. Anthony Davis for Damian Lillard. I mean, Portland hangs up the phone, right? What do, what do they want Anthony Davis for? He's always hurt, and Damian Lillard is more valuable than Anthony Davis. And their response is, it's the Lakers. They'll always get it done, which has been true in the past, to be fair. But they have no assets right now because the Russell Westbrook trade gave them absolutely no outs. Right. Taylor Horton Tucker, not very good. Like, where are you making trades here? And for a guy like Damian Lillard, who's under contract for another three years, it's not like he can just decide I'm going to be signing an extension with Team X. So I want to be traded to them. 
get me something in return. That's not the way it works. It's just amazing that the Laker fans think that because they're the Lakers, things are just going to happen and the, the league is going to kowtow to them. They have no outs, all right? Their major out is trading Davis, but you're not getting Damian Lillard for Anthony Davis. The delusion is amazing. And the fact that they're so salty the, that they're not going to be in the playing game, the fact that they are so many games under 500, 16 games under 500 at the time of recording, 31 and 47. I had to just look it up right now just to be positive that that's the case. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But yeah, they say we've won 17 championships in our history. So it's fine. It's all good. Yeah. Like the idiots in my life were around in the 70s and 80s. Okay. Like Kobe and Shaq ain't walking through that door. It's just great. It's so, so great. The saltiness and the uh, the sadness on the Laker fans is fantastic. The Nets don't have fans to be salty and sad of regarding their team. So they're completely irrelevant to anybody in New York. It's just awesome. I just love all of this. Oh, and James Harden stinks. So, yeah, I've been right about a whole lot recently. A whole, whole lot. And so I had to remind you of that. With that said... You're going to hear instant reaction to the NCAA title game, and we're going to get into the Yankees, a little Yankees preview in just a matter of moments. It's after 11.50 p.m. We just watched the national title game, UNC and Kansas. Kansas takes down the Tar Heels, 72-69. They complete the biggest comeback for being down at the half in NCAA championship game history. Ah, there, there's a lot to talk about this game. There was a lot to talk about the final four. We have none other than Jordan Marks. You know, we had to do it. Jordan, instant reaction pod. What's good, man? Oh, man. I mean, as much as some of these games haven't been the best, these past these past two, two games have been nothing short of outstanding. So... I know it didn't end up going your way, and holy moly, I feel bad for Armando Baycott and, and all of Tar Heel Nation, but that was a hell of a basketball game. So I, I want to start with this, and I don't want to let the win over Duke in the Final Four go because I, I think that needs to be brought up. But before we do that, your biggest takeaway from this game, where do you think the game flipped in the second half for Kansas and, and just your initial thoughts on this game specifically. Yeah. um, I thought the Kansas's defensive intensity picked up significantly. I thought Remy Martin was a pest. Um, I think Caleb Love was kind of reaching quite a bit and, and, you know, that's part of his game, but you know, when it, when it, when it's not working and, and then you see, um, Armando Baycott kind of hobbling a little bit. I think that's where it kind of got away. And then you saw Kansas getting out and running and, and really getting it going in transition, you know, some stupid turnovers on North Carolina's part in that first that opening stands of the second half. And yeah, once it was tied up and uh, it got close, it, it, yeah, it kind of fell apart for them. There was one call in particular where I really, it was a 50-50 call on a block charge. Um, Manic attempted to draw charge. I forget, was it Agbaji who made the bucket? I think it was. Yeah. Um, but it, it was an eight-point game at that point. And if that, and I thought it was a charge. I thought he got there, set his feet. He was outside the restricted circle. They called it a block and one three-point play completed. That, to me, was the turning point of the game, that specific play, uh, because all the momentum goes right out the window for Kansas if that play is called a, a charge. And, I mean, credit to Kansas. They were relentless defensively. Caleb Love settled for a lot of threes, especially in the first half. I mean, he, he tried to get to the rim in the second half, but he just didn't have it going. Uh, they needed, they really needed an RJ Davis stretch for like four or five minutes where he was going to be the best guy on the court, where he was going to basically take over because Baycott was obviously hobbled from the opening tip. Um, 
Caleb Love didn't have it going and, and he was hurt. And yeah, and I, I just found that they didn't find Manic for shots. Like yeah. he didn't get enough touches and he played his ass off defensively. I, I just, and we it, it, it was, it was frustrating because you could see it happening. It was like almost like death by a thousand paper cuts, but kudos to Kansas. Yeah. And com- completely agree. I don't think that was the same North Carolina team just that we saw against Duke. I don't think they're a hundred percent. I mean, you know, I've been mentioning that Brady Manick took an elbow to the face in the first half that yeah. certainly looked like a concussion to me um, because David McCormack's a big man and that elbow came down hard. Um, so, I mean, he still played through it. And even Baycott, who was hobbling, I mean, he finishes with 13 and 15. There's no, that's not a slouchy stat line. But, but yeah, he missed some, some bunnies that I thought he could have hit. Um, but uh, and they needed that. They needed that stretch of what was it, eleven or thirteen points from Puff Johnson, who um, awesome. Who no one saw that shit coming. <laughs> yeah, he he was great, and I I can't say enough about Baycott and how impressed I am with him. He had no lift. He he could barely move, and that's where you get the shooting percentage the way it was. I mean, he he couldn't finish around the rim, but the way he competed on the defensive end against McCormick and on the glass. I, I mean, I, I'm so impressed by him. I'm so impressed by him. I'm, I'm impressed by Manic, uh, the way he competed on the defensive end. Absolutely. It was just one or two rebounds, you know, defensive rebounds that UNC, when the game got tight in the last four minutes, they didn't secure it. And yeah, maybe that's because Baycott didn't have the lift to secure it. And maybe it was just bounces funny, but they didn't secure those rebounds. And Kansas converted on the second chance points. And uh, Remy Martin was the difference. Absolutely. Just, um, just, uh, yeah. And I thought, yeah, Remy Martin was a difference. And, and we, we kind of figured that Leaky Black was going to be missing offensively because he had to take care of Ochai Abaji, which I think he actually did a pretty good job. Abaji yeah. was nowhere near as effective as he was against Villanova. Um, and yeah, they just, they didn't have all their horses basically. So you, you're right. You needed, you needed 30 points from RJ, like to get this done and, and they just didn't get it. And, uh, man, that was a hell of a basketball game. Yeah. And, and, and the depth, obviously UNC is only playing six guys really. Uh, and when your guys are hurt and the foul trouble was what it was, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough to win that way. I, I, when um, uh, what's his name McCormick got in early foul trouble, I th- I think there was a stretch where UNC didn't push the the pedal to the metal in terms of going to the rim. They kind of let him off the hook a little bit. Now he had a couple of possessions where he went straight up uh, and avoided fouls really nicely, but I I thought they could have gotten him to get the fourth a little bit earlier on. It could have really yeah. changed the uh, trajectory of that game. Yeah, because anytime Lightfoot was on the court, it, it was pretty easy going for North Carolina. But McCormack was just such a game changer in this one. Um, and yeah, now I'm watching like a highlight of him. Just you know, Baycott kind of backs off him uh, sometimes, and he has that that dribble step turn, boom, right over Brady Manic or Baycott. It's yeah, just, uh, it, it was a really really fun game. A really really fun game. I I thought when when Manic got the putback after I was back to calling him the lumberjack in our texts, <laughs> he gets the offensive putback and they go up one. I, I really thought that they were going to pull it out, but just a tough, tough loss. Um, I mean, an just, unbelievable run, an unbelievable run by the UNC Tar Heels that weren't expected to even make the tournament at one point before the, uh, the ACC tournament. And yeah, just, uh, what do you think of uh, what do you think of that the last possession before the before the out of bounds? Oh, uh, the they forced two threes. I mean, they were yeah. lucky to get the offensive rebound. You got to go to the rim there. They had plenty of time. Plenty of I mean, time. Bill Raftery was like beside himself, calling it out that they got to get to the rim, got to go to the rim. But Absolutely. it just it was a weird Caleb Love game. Just the shot selection was off. There was just something off, and the double clutch three. 
from Johnson with nine seconds left. Like that was a, that was a real head scratcher. Uh, and uh, Manic then throws the ball away off the, uh, off the offensive rebound. And then they got the gift. The, the guy steps out of bounds, which was crazy. And you're just like, maybe they'll get one, but they didn't get a good look. And that poor that's kid. All she wrote. I mean, if Dewan, Dewan Harris, that's who it was. If, if, if UNC makes that shot, and that kid goes down as the guy who forever ruined it for Kansas. Oh, terrible. But yeah, yeah I mean, North Carolina, hell of a run. Hubie Davis, definitely the right choice for head coach. And, you know, they'll be legends forever. They, they terminated Coach K. And yeah. So let, let's go back to that for a second before we get out, because I know it's late. Um, if you're UNC, and obviously you're, you're an eight seed, you have this amazing run. You beat Duke in Coach K's last game in Cameron. You then beat Duke again in the Final Four. Like, this season almost has to be just as much of a success as winning the whole thing because you, you slayed the dragon, you sent Coach K into retirement. No? It's absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you get, bra- you get bragging rights with your biggest rival forever. I don't. I mean, you have to wait what twenty five years till maybe. I don't even know. There's I, there's no timeline on this one. It's bragging rights forever. Bragging rights forever. Yeah, I mean this. I, I bet you that the ratings for this game were lower than the ratings for last game. So it's like, I don't know. Uh, national championship is is a huge thing, and you know they were up fifteen in the first. That's crazy that they lost this game. Um, but it's uh yeah yeah no. But last game yeah yeah. You have to go back to last game, and last game was so good. I mean, we didn't get to speak that much, but it was so good. It was such an epic basketball game, better than this game, even. Um, and this game was was, was choppier. It was yeah. choppier. I thought the refs got involved a little bit, it too much in spurts. Then they and, didn't and get it, involved enough in and spurts. everyone wasn't, and they weren't healthy and whatever. But that, yeah, that game was just shot making after sh- it was awesome, awesome game. Paolo and Keels was amazing. That was that was just a great, great basketball game. And Caleb Love had the magic had, in the final four because that shot he hit over Mark Williams uh, was was incredible. Uh, and, and then you know to not be able to follow it up, it. it Obviously, nothing, no, no sports moment is ever going to tap the 1980 hockey team, U.S. men's hockey team, when they beat Russia. And then they followed it up and beat Finland, I think, for the. I for think, the, um, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the Finland game, but Finland wins. <laughs> yeah, this is the Finland game when Finland wins if, if you're at UNC. And, and it's a little anticlimactic, to be totally honest. Like, it was a little anticlimactic. I know we spoke last time, and I thought the winner of the Duke-UNC game was going to win the whole thing. But kudos to Kansas. I mean, Bill Self has been in the Final Four a lot. He's had better teams than this. He's choked away many a games, but tonight he got one, and uh, and and good for them. Absolutely, yeah. No, he's he is a Hall of Famer, and he's yeah one of the greatest coaches in college basketball. And you know, I don't now that Kay's gone and Roy Williams is gone, I don't. I don't know who's be- a better college basketball coach at this point besides Cal or, you know, like it's. Well, Jay Wright. Absolutely. But Jay yeah, Wright, but, Tom Izzo and. Uh, yeah. But Bill and, Self, and Bill Self. is putting out one seeds and yeah. Um, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. One and, last thing before we go, because it's late. Yeah. Our, our parting shots to, co- to coach K. <laughs> um. Just what would you like to say to Coach K now that he's gone? What would you like to comment about how uh, insufferable the press conference was after the game? Uh, give us your thoughts. Everything. He's such a weird guy. I mean, everything's insufferable. I mean, I, the way that he, like, touched Armando Baycott's stomach and, <laughs> and said, you were my player of the year. Is, gee, he's just a bizarre dude. And the uh, left-handed but, handshake to boot with that happened. Oh like, gosh. it's weird. Like, why are you so weird, dude? Why you so, I don't know why he's so weird. I hope that I don't see him on TV that much anymore. Like, you know, Roy Williams is very visible at North Carolina games and definitely in this tournament. But um, 
I don't think Kay will be like that. I think he'll be a little more in the in the background. So hopefully that's the case. But good riddance. And uh, yeah, you were a great coach, but I think we're good. Did you enjoy uh, the quote where he said, they asked him about, you know, think about your legacy. He goes, this isn't about me. It's it's about these guys and making sure they're okay. Like, shut up. In what world is this not about you? Yeah. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Must be living on a different planet. (laughs) Ugh, the worst. And then the ultimate crap that was uh, the the post-game press conference was, thank you for everything you've done for the game. Ew. Just so gross. Yeah. And, uh, well, that that was that. Coach K out. Coach K out. This this was a really fun tournament. Yeah. I know it never disappoints, but this one really never, really didn't disappoint. And it was, uh, it was good to recap. I know we're like a little low energy right now because it is almost 12, 10 AM instant reaction pod. But I mean, what a game, what a tournament. The final four was great. This game was great. We had unbelievable upsets in the first round. Just, just awesome stuff. Jordan, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this Uh, every step of the way through a little bit of a recap and uh, yeah. obviously tonight was no different, but this was awesome. Thanks so much again, bro. No problem. I'm going to kick back and, you know, take relax and watch the masters and you're going to watch some NBA scouting and we'll catch up after. Absolutely. But, oh yeah. One last thing. Shout out to your guy, Jordan pool, Michigan's <laughs> own Jordan pool for absolutely I've, blowing I've up him. this season. Just nuts. Unreal. Didn't, Unreal. didn't see this one coming. Did you see this coming? <laughs> I did not see this one coming, no. The, the handle, the jump shot, just awesome. But anyway, it's uh, it's time to get some sleep. I'll speak to you. Thanks again for doing it. All right, take care. Bye. So baseball season's right around the corner. We're actually having a baseball season, and it's starting relatively on time, which we didn't think was going to happen a couple of weeks ago. But here we are, fresh off being initiated into A.E. Pi, Recurring guest and Yankee fan, Mr. Andrew Sender. Andrew Mazeltov, congratulations. Welcome back. How are we doing? Doing good. You know, it's definitely it's been a long couple uh, weeks, but, you know, we're glad to be finally in and uh, more excited for baseball now that I don't have to watch hockey anymore because my team is completely irrelevant. <laughs> well, that's funny because my team is very much not irrelevant and I very much enjoy watching the Rangers uh, too bad about the Islanders. I mean, they had a nice little stretch run for some reason. I think the Islanders will be a lot better next year, but whatever. Uh, speaking of excitement for baseball, the Yankees, how does it feel? The fact that for the first time, I think in probably your baseball fandom lifetime going into a season that the Mets have more juice than the Yankees in terms of preseason juice and excitement? Um, I mean, I don't really, I normally don't really care about what the Mets do because I mean, at the end of the day, they're not even in our league. So it's not like those, you know, Ranger Islanders and like, I guess really just that because they're so irrelevant to the Yankee season unless they made the world series. So really who cares? And I mean, to be honest, yeah, the Mets have a lot of hype, but I don't think they're going to be that good. I don't think they're winning their division. I think we have a better shot of winning our division than they do. Really? Really? Make make the case. Well, first of all, they're going to lose DeGrom for at least a month and a half. He can't throw a baseball for four weeks. That's never a good thing. Um, Like, I just also don't think this team is ready to go. Like, last year, why didn't they win games? What was their excuse last year? That team was still really good. Like... You're going to get much better this year. The bullpen still isn't that great. Well, you're assuming Lindor is going to be a lot better this year and year two. Like, that's what you have to assume. Yeah, but I mean. Scherzer. Well, no, of course you have Scherzer. But, I mean, you know, there's guys like Taewon Walker, who was phenomenal last year in the first half, probably won't do that again. Like, there's a lot of – it's also the Mets. Like, at the end of the day, it's the Mets. There's hype around them every year, and – they never perform, so I don't know what would change, to be honest. Well, don't you think that their division is a little bit easier than the Yankees' division? I mean, the Braves lost Freddie Freeman, and let's be I mean, and what's-his-name is not coming back for the full year, uh, Acuna. The Phillies are going to score runs, 
but their pitching is is questionable. Uh, the Nationals are not very good, and neither are the Marlins. So it's like the Mets should be the best team in that division when they're all whole, uh, as opposed to the Yankees. We'll get into them in a second. Boston is kind of taking a little bit of a step back, maybe, but the Rays kick their ass every year, and the Blue Jays have gotten better. So you think that the NL East is stronger top to bottom than the AL East? No, I don't think it's stronger. I just like I think the Braves are just a well, a, a way more rounded team. To be honest, like that they know how to win. Like even without I, Freeman, even without I mean you have Olson. Olson's been a beast. That guy's carried Oakland for like five years. Like I mean he's I know and honestly he's already been amazing in spring training. And he's Matt Olson. The guy does everything correct. So it's not like yes, Freddie Freeman's the best, probably the best first baseman in baseball. But Matt Olson is right there. It's not that big of a drop off, and they're getting Acuna back. Obviously, he won't play the full year, but you're getting probably the second or third best hitter in baseball back. They'll be fine. Losing Soler, in my opinion, was a big one. But I mean, they're going to have a full year of Rosario. Like they're going to have a good. This is a really good team, and that pitching staff is also very good, sneaky good. So let me ask you this: Going to the Yankees, because that's who we personally care about the most. There has been a malaise that we've talked about over this franchise for the last couple of years. There's been a tremendous malaise. But to their credit, they went out and did some things in the offseason. Uh, they got Josh Donaldson and Connor Falefa. They got rid of Gary Sanchez. They got rid of uh, Gio Urshela. They brought back Rizzo. What do you make of their offseason? Do you like their offseason? Were you a little disappointed with how it went, considering that they were maybe in the mix for Freddie Freeman, that they didn't really get another number two pitcher? Like, where are you at with the roster right now as currently constructed? Um, the roster is interesting because it could be the best roster they've assembled in the last three, four years, but it could also be the worst. And I mean, it's just based off who stays healthy. If Josh Donaldson stays healthy, I mean, the guy will have 30 to 35 home runs probably. He's a beast, and he's playing in Yankee Stadium. Like, he, people forget he had 26 home runs in Minnesota. That is not a hitter's ballpark. We are a hitter's ballpark. He will hit home runs, and he'll have a lot less pressure on him. He's going to be hitting in, like, the six, five, like six or seven hole. Well, he's um, – hold on. Well, one second. He's led off basically all of spring training, not that if you're – really putting a lot of stock into spring training. Yeah, no, I, I, I just, I can't look at spring training and take it seriously because to be honest, like it's just, it makes no sense. Why would he, why would he start? I mean, why would he lead off? Like why not LeMahieu? LeMahieu's healthy now. We all know what he can do when he's healthy and it just makes sense. He's been your leadoff hitter for the last two years and he's three years and he's performed to be honest. Well, so I, I want you can, to continue about the offseason in general, but you just brought up LeMahieu, and there is a logjam. They've got a logjam in the infield. Rizzo's going to play a lot of first base, right? And he should. He's got the glove. He's a left-handed hitter. Now you got Connor Falefa at short. You've got Donaldson, LeMahieu, and Torres. Three guys for two spots. How does that settle itself out? Because Glaber Torres cannot play shortstop. We've been down that road. We don't want to see that. So what do you expect from this, this glut that we have? Well, personally, I think it all depends around how they treat Aaron Hicks. And if they decide that they want him to play, then there's an odd man out. But if they don't, then everything kind of works out. You stick LeMahieu at third and you DH, um, you DH Donaldson, which I think is perfectly fine. I don't think Josh Donaldson needs to be an everyday third baseman. He's 35 years old. Let's keep this man healthy because when he is healthy, he's a beast. And Aaron Hicks does not deserve to play. It's that simple. He has by far been the most disappointing Yankee on this on the team for the last three years. He has barely played. And when he has played, he has been horrendous. So I don't think he deserves to play. And then I think you let Torres play second base every day. Kids young. And honestly, when he was playing second base last year, he was good. His offense, his bat was fine. So let him play. And then I think Connor Falefa will probably end up playing 
150 games or so at shortstop because they really don't have someone who can replace him. You might see Torres here and there at short, but I don't know who else would play shortstop other than maybe Marwin Gonzalez can play a couple games, but Connor Falefa, Connor Falefa will be the shortstop. And then I think you have LeMay with third and Torres at second and Donaldson is at DH. And then that means who's playing the outfield Stanton in left the towers. Yeah. Judge in right. And who's playing center field. No judge judge would play center. Judge will play center and then Stan will play probably right field and Gallo and left. And you want Aaron judge playing center field all year. If so, obviously it's regular season. You could switch it up a little bit and you can get in Hicks, but like, as a preference. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see a lot of substitution in games. Like if, if you have a lefty on the mound and you have Joey Galloway in the fifth inning, fuck it, take him out and put someone else in like put Aaron Hicks in even like, let's, let's move. Let's get a lot of moving parts going because I mean, at the end of the day, we probably need to throw out the best lineup that we have every day. We need to win games because we're in a tough division and our best lineup is with judge and center field even though that's unfortunate because you want to keep him healthy. He's probably the most important player on the team. So, but I mean, you just have to do what you have to do. I'm sick and tired of babying these guys. Like they got to get out and play. We did it with Stan for three years. He was terrible. And then all of a sudden we let him finally play the outfield. Then he had his best season as a Yankee. So let the guys play. (laughs) I'd almost rather have Aaron Hicks play center, have judge play right, have Stanton play left. And Joey Gallo be the odd man out. If I had my preference, only to preserve Judge's body, um, but that's my preference. But I wanted to get back to the offseason, right? So we still have an issue with heavy right-handed hitters that hit for power, not necessarily for average, not contact guys. Do we think we're going to see a lot more of the same? Or, you know, between... Falefa, Donaldson, do you think we're just going to – is it going to be a little bit different or are we going to be as frustrated as we have been over the years? I think there will be weeks where we're going to be frustrated and we're going to be, you know, complaining about it. But then I also think there will be weeks where we're going to look at it and it's going to be fun baseball. I don't think it will be as bad as it was in the past because I do think Connor Falefa will bring a different approach. I also think Donaldson will bring a different approach. And even judges, I mean, judge hit like 280 last year. Who says he can't do it again? And Stan looked good last year also. But I, I mean, yeah, it's a little annoying the fact that we could have gotten a guy like Correa who really puts the ball in play, especially with three years. I mean, it's just very unfortunate. But at the end of the day, yeah, I, think I think the team that, is definitely from different. what I was hearing, that had a lot to do with not necessarily the numbers and the contract. That had to, a lot to do with other stuff involving like you know his personality and the Astros which to me is is a little ridiculous considering Donaldson and Cole had a little bit of a beef and now they seem to be patching things up just fine and you saw this you know years ago when you know Roger Clemens was hated by the New York Yankees for for years right Red Sox, Blue Jays, they hated the guy. They brought him in, and all of a sudden, everything was hunky-dory, and they won a World Series. Like, I just don't understand. So, I guess, was that the move? Was the Correa move the move that you wanted to see in the offseason most? Uh, and and if so, like, you know, rate the offseason, considering how it all went. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely wanted Correa. Correa or Story, in my opinion were the two that I really thought we'd maybe have a shot at. And I I understand, I understand why they didn't get him, but at the end of the day, it just, it felt like we were a little too conservative in the off season. I feel like we should have been a little more aggressive because everyone in our division, except for the Red Sox really got better and, it's only going to get harder in our division. So, I mean, why not? The Red Sox got story. So like they picked him up. No, like that. I was just, I mean, it was just a mess. You, you trade, you did the trade and then, you know, you've, you, you give, you get more room for Minnesota to just go out and get a guy like Correa. And I mean, that's just, it's, it sucked, but whatever. Um, I'd rate the off season like a seven, seven out of 10. Honestly, I don't think it was terrible. I just don't think it was exactly what we needed 
I like that they went after, you know, a gritty guy like Donaldson. I think we need to be the bad boys because we just seem so soft, I feel like, every every year. And complacent. There was a complacency. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like he'll bring an edge, like him and Cole. Like, look, Donaldson rakes in Fenway Park. Like, it is awesome what he will do. The Red Sox, those fans are going to hate this guy. And that is awesome. We need something like that. We have nobody who's hated on our team. Everyone is so nice. Not a good thing. So with Donaldson, that is great. I think they could have maybe patched up the bullpen a little bit more. Like, you know, the last day or so we saw a couple moves, like they're bringing up JP Sears and Ron Mariaccio, whatever that guy is like, I'm not like too crazy about that, but I think the starters look fantastic. I like I looked at the rotation today. I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. Like Nestor Cortez is our five pitcher right now. That is so awesome. But I think the offense could be a little weak. Obviously, Higgy is a big question mark. He's looked good in the spring, but he's so on and off. You Are really you nervous about catcher? Like yeah, I'm a little nervous about it. It does give me a little more, um, I guess, insurance, though, knowing that we have Marwin Gonzalez, because I'm pretty sure he can catch. Probably won't, but that's a guy who, like, really who could play anywhere, and that was such a great pickup, and he's looked good. So kudos to Cashman on that, and, like, that was a great move. But, um, yeah, catcher concerns me a little bit. Higgy is not – He's not a, you know, flashy guy, really. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not trying to be the asshole Yankee fan who needs a all-star at every position. I just, there there were guys who we maybe could have gotten that could, that have started at the major league level at a consistent, at a consistent form. And Higgy has not really done that in his career. So that does concern me a little, but he does have a good bat. He can really crush the ball. I'm not so concerned about the lineup. Uh, I mean, it's flawed. It is what it is. I, I think that they were very meticulous and careful about where they were going to spend their money, which is why the Donaldson trade, while I understand it, was a little eye-opening in terms of that was the guy who they brought salary on. I mean, to me, the starting rotation is a little bit of a question mark, right? Cole, he's going to do Cole stuff in the regular season. I'd like to see him pitch well in the playoffs. But, okay, you know, he's one of the three best pitchers in the league. After that, I would have liked to have seen them gone, you know, shopping for a real number two. And I say that with, you know, Severino at one point was a Cy Young candidate. And he's had arm issues. He had Tommy John and all this stuff. Like, if you're telling me that we're going to get Severino of, you know, 2018, I think, something like that. Great, all right? Then then the gamble you made on the rotation is completely fine. But if you're going to go out and spend, like, I would have loved to have seen them given Scherzer the contract that the Mets gave him. Like, why wasn't that priority number one? Yeah, I mean, I, I heard it on the Michael K show yesterday. Um, like, George would have never let that happen. Scherzer going to the Mets. And it's like, not that he went crazy. to the Mets. It was just I didn't think the contract was obscene. No, I, and to be honest, like people are going crazy about the forty-three million. Max Scherzer is going to be a top-five pitcher of all time, and he is not, he has showed zero signs of slowing down. This guy is unbelievable. And to be honest, you go over for two years on the salary. I'm sick and tired of us. We're spending so much money and we allocate it to the, the weirdest players. Why is Josh Donaldson getting 50 million over two years? What, like, what was that about? It just, it makes no sense. And I mean, look with the starters. Yes. I think that's the one flaw. There is no set in stone number two, but those four guys after Cole are all so solid and they will be good. I think they will have an issue with finding a number two and establishing a guy. In my opinion, I personally think that will be Tyone. I think this guy's got great stuff and he wants it more than anyone. So I love him as a number two. Severino, I, I'm not, I really don't know what to expect. I don't know how this guy stays healthy. He's just, he's been a mess since 2017. So we'll see how that plays out. But I mean, at the end of the day, there are two guys sitting in the minors ready to go if one of them goes down and that's heel and garcia 
They both looked great in the spring. And I've been a big Louise Hill fan. I think this guy's got electric stuff. Control is a little eh, but that fastball is unbelievable, unmatched in the league. But um, the rotation as a whole, like, I mean, I really, I like it. I think it's probably one of the best they've thrown out there in the last couple of years. I think it's really, really good. So where do you think, as it stands right now, they stack up in the AL East? In the AL East, I think they're probably, I mean, Toronto is, they don't have a back end. Boston doesn't have a, really doesn't have anything other than a Valdi. Um, Tampa, they don't really have a back end, but they, I mean, they always figure it out with the bullpen and all that garbage. They just, they figure it out. But to be honest, don't I think you, we, haven't you learned by now? Like, it sounds like you're doubting Tampa. Don't doubt Tampa. Oh no, I'm not doubting them. I'm, I'm saying they always figure, they figure a way okay, to, just, right. to just beat us. They, they, you could look at the starting rotation. They might have three starters on the roster. They'll find a way to have five good games in a row. With good pitching, they just figure out a way. They always do. But starting rotation-wise, I think we have probably one of the best in the league, to be honest. Like, the the rotation is sick. And I know, like, people don't look at it because there's a lot of question marks. But that's the whole team this year. The whole team is a question mark. And that's honestly probably the most frustrating part about this team is the fact that we are paying $225 million for the payroll. And there are probably 10 to 15 question marks. Not a great sign. So push comes to shove. Do they win the division? Do they make the playoffs? What What, what do you think? Because I um, have no idea what to expect. Personally, I think they will win the division. I And I'm someone who's always been like, oh, they're going to miss the playoffs. No chance. They're not making it. I think they're going to win the division this year. I really – I like this team. I think they're going to play with an edge. And – I don't think Judge is going to get an extension, which really hurts to say that, but I don't think he will. And I think he's going to play with a big chip on his shoulder because that man wants to get paid and he deserves to get paid. But I think this whole team stands going to be fully healthy. I think Gallo, even though I hate him, might actually figure out something to be somewhat productive. And I think Rizzo having a full year will definitely help him. And Donaldson, hopefully he can stay healthy. I think this is going to be a good team. It'll be very interesting, though, throughout the year. I don't think you're going to see, like, the the Yankees where they're just demolishing teams. I think every, every game is going to be very gritty, very close, but they'll figure out a way to win that division with around 97. I think that you're going to see a lot of what you saw last year, like nine somewhere between 91, 93 wins, be in the wild card, and be exceedingly frustrated. Maybe a little less frustrated because last year was about as joyless of a 93-win team as humanly possible. I mean, I really think that was the worst 93-win team in the history of baseball. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm a little pessimistic. I'm a little pessimistic. I, I, I guess I have been uh, tortured by the Tampa Bay Rays way too often recently to think that they're going to win the division over Tampa Bay. But... I'd like to be proven wrong. I'd like to be proven wrong. But it'll be good to get baseball back, even though as angry as I was at Cashman, at the organization for this malaise, I I can't stand the fact that Aaron Boone is back. That bothers the hell out of me. Uh, Was there a small part of me when the lockout was going on that I was like, just cancel the season and I'll be totally okay with it? Yes, I was there. But, you know, what? depending on what happens with the Rangers, right, in the playoffs, this is what we got. So let, let's see. Let's see. But to think that I'm not going to be frustrated is, well, I, I, I can't imagine that I won't. But, you know what, hope springs eternal. So, you know, right now everybody's uh, in the same spot. So you got to be hopeful. You got to be hopeful. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I get it. You know, my friends also who are Yankee fans, they always, you know, they're thinking very poorly about the season. And I understand why we didn't have a flashy off season. The team kind of looks the same. You could say we got worse at catcher and just, yeah, doesn't look great on paper, but I really do think this team is going to play the chip on their shoulder. I think they were extremely lazy last year. I don't think, I think honestly, Aaron Boone might, grow a pair of balls and might be the tough guy that we really nah, need. I don't see it. 
Nah. I think he will. I, I think there's a different attitude in that clubhouse this year. I really do. And I don't know why, but I really think. Well, because da- Josh Donaldson is that kind of guy. And you hope that it permeates throughout the locker room. Yeah, no. And I think he'll also help Cole. Someone with that type of intensity, like that's that's what he needs. He needs to vent with someone. Like I remember last year, I think it was Gardner that he was like yelling with or something like they need that. That's what they need. You need to have those yelling and screaming matches in the locker room. Get excited, get hype. Like you want to, you want to be mad at each other. This is how it is. This is how sports are. You need to play with some intensity. And I, I honestly think they will. And I think they're going to have pretty good results this year. It's for some reason. I don't know why. Well, I hope you're right. And it was good to catch up again. Congratulations on API, Andrew Sender. Thanks for uh, giving me your time and we'll speak soon, bud. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Speak to you. Bye. Thanks again to recurring guest Jordan Marks for giving me instant reaction on the national championship game. He was with me the entire way throughout the tournament, so big ups to him. Thanks so much to him. Thanks again to recurring guest Andrew Sender. And congratulations to him. I'm talking a little Yankees, taking time out of his uh, college experience to talk a little Yankees. That's episode 151 for the love of the game. Take us out most definitely. No faces, just lines and statistics from your phone, your zip code, the SSI digits. The system break, man, shining women in the figures. Two columns for who is and who ain't. Numbers is hard and real and they never have feelings. But you push too hard, even numbers got limits. Why the one straw break the camel's back? Here's the secret. The million other straws underneath it. It's all mathematics. I'm mighty most definitely. <laughs> it's simple mathematics. Check it out. I revolve around science. What are we talking about here? Mighty most definitely. It's simple mathematics. Check it out. I revolve around science. What are we talking about here? Mathematics. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.